Hi, this is Vicki. Just wanted to give you a little heads up. This episode is going to be talking about some possibly triggering information for some people. So I wanted to let you know we'll be talking about some food issues. We'll include resources and encouragement so it's positive. But wanted to let you know in case it's a triggering kind of topic so you know what you're getting ready for. Okay, God bless. Welcome to the Homeschool High School Podcast, brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki, and I am so excited to meet one of my new friends, Cassandra Baker. We met at a conference run by Felice Gerwitz right before the pandemic, and uh, it, that like a couple of months before, and we've been trying to connect since then on the digital sphere. And so finally we made it. So I was so impressed with Cassandra and the the work that she does with the idea of body image and food relationships. So, you know, it's hard for, for people to talk about this. And so I, I consider Cassandra a, a thought leader for us. So Cassandra, say hi and tell us about you and your story and what you would like teens and their parents to know. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for being here. I agree with you. Uh, who would have thought a year ago that <laughs> uh, I remember getting ready to fly down to Florida and thinking, are we going to have a problem, you know, with what's what's kind of going on? And people are like, no, no, it's not going to be a big deal. So <laughs> a year later, we know differently, but <laughs> I appreciate you inviting me on and for this opportunity yeah. because I'm really passionate about sharing my story. Growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. I accepted the Lord at the age of four, watching a Billy Graham crusade on TV. I don't know anything but having Jesus in my life my uh, since the very beginning. So from the outside looking in, it looked pretty perfect. But underneath, there were things that people couldn't see. And it was kind of like this perfect storm coming together. In middle school, I st started struggling with depression and anxiety. And then in junior high, I started dieting. Mm. I know this now, but I have a highly sensitive personality. And mm -hmm. so I felt things deeper. I... I had more intuition and empathy for people and I felt deeply, which is a gift, but it can also be challenging sometimes, especially I think because for so long mm. I didn't have an awareness of it. Mm -hmm. And I just thought so often, oh, you just need to get over it. Stop being so sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course I, we, I grew up in a culture that said, in order to be somebody, in order to be valuable, in order to be loved, you have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain size. And if you don't meet that reflection, then you're no, you're a nobody mm. and no one's going to ever love you. Mm. And so all those things came together and did culminate into two eating disorders I started struggling with binge eating disorder around the time that I started dieting and that just progressed 
And the second eating disorder actually didn't uh, develop until 2011. I was in my late 20s, actually. And it's called orthorexia. And it's an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And this is actually a newer Mm. eating disorder, actually. It all started with oh, I'm just going to eat healthy. I'm not going to be on a diet. Mm. I'm going to eat, eat clean. Yes. And yeah. it just kind of snowballed because people started praising me. I started mm-hmm. losing weight that I had never mm-hmm. lost before. Uh, obsessive exercising started in. And while people I know were well-intentioned mm. with the compliments, mm. but what they really said, Ed, who I called the eating disorders, you know, when they would say, wow, you look amazing or like a new mm-hmm. person, what my eating disorder would tell me is, see, I told you that you'd be more valuable, you'd be more attractive and lovable mm-hmm. if you lost the weight. And all these compliments and all these people are, are confirming that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a hard thing for young people struggling to find their identity and they get affirmation for the things that are leading them to anxiety and dysfunction. Yeah. And, you know, living with two eating disorders, um, it was terrible, but I, it's hard for me, like terrible doesn't really give you a good picture of what it was like. So I like to give an actual picture of what it was like living with who I call Ed Ed and the gang. So Ed, of course, I mentioned represents the eating disorders. The gang represents the perfectionism, the people pleasing, the legalism, uh-huh. needing to be in control. And mm-hmm. so imagine that I'm laying on the ground. I'm not super tall. I'm about 5'3". And there's this huge several ton rock covering me. Now, it's so big and huge that it there's no space between the rock and the ground. So no light, no oxygen can get through. It's dark, crushing, paralyzing. Mm -hmm. And that was in many Mm -hmm. ways what life was like living with the eating disorders, the the, the struggle with the depression, anxiety, which often is very common Mm -hmm. for those who struggle with eating disorders. And so it just was in general, a really Mm -hmm. terrible life situation. Now, for you, how badly did it affect your, like, daily life? So, you you know, like, did you go to school? Did you end up having to go through an institutional setting for help? Like, did your parents reject you? Did God quit loving you? Like, what what kind of things were going on for you, especially as the young person and, and trying to handle life with the binge disorder? Right. Well, I'm a type A personality as well. So I'm a high performer, like in school, right? I was, I wanted to be the valedictorian, right? I had to be at the top of my Mm. class. (laughs) So it was very exhausting, the striving to try to Mm -hmm. keep that, you know, there's never any rest because there's always more I could do to try to, to earn it. In many ways, well, I I, I would say mm-hmm. the biggest way that it kind of came mm-hmm. out in regards to, like, I would high perform, but then it would, like, cost me so much, right? And I'd, like, kind of hit what I call, like, hit a wall, and it would be kind of a crash and burn. And so that would look like getting home and then just checking out by, mm-hmm. like, watching TV and then using food mm-hmm. to cope. And 
a binge is different than emotional eating. So um, emotional eating, right? You know, you're choosing to do it. You mm-hmm. have some control over it. a binge. There wasn't a choice. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like if I was going to move on to the next thing in life, mm-hmm. I, I had to do it. I, I didn't feel like I had any control yeah. around food. And mm-hmm. I would have this binge restrict cycle. And so you'd binge and then you'd feel terrible about it, the shame and the guilt and everything. So then you would go to restriction, Mm -hmm. but then after a certain while, the restriction, you'd feel deprived. So then that goes back to the binge. And so it just continues in this endless cycle. And, you know, I tried all the diets and oftentimes I think people think, oh, someone who has binge eating disorder they just have uncontrollable urges and they're all they do is overeat, but actually that's not really the case. What, what oftentimes is going on is that there's extreme restriction. So there's a certain amount of time where I wasn't getting enough calories. And I just thought that it was my inability to just be able to respond to food. But in all reality, when we go into starvation mode, the primal part of our brain kicks in, right? The part that keeps us breathing and our organs running and it's going, I need food to survive. I need food to survive. And so like, that's all it can think about. And so that's what oftentimes happens with a binge. And it's like, well, now I have food, so I better store it for later. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. what happens is if you can take out the restriction, (laughs) then you don't have deprivation and then you don't get to a binge. And so it wasn't until I actually learned about intuitive eating that I actually learned that there was another way to diets. Cause I just figured, well, see, I started clean eating and, but ultimately clean eating is still a diet because I had a list and if it wasn't on that list, I couldn't eat it. I would spend hours, hours and hours food prepping in the kitchen every weekend. I would bring my food to events or I just wouldn't eat. And so I missed out socially. I was thinking about food all the time. And while I was, I may have been in a smaller body, I was not healthier Mm -hmm. because I was restricting. It took extreme behaviors. Mm -hmm. It took eating disorder behaviors for me to actually be there. Mm -hmm. And then what actually really triggered me to address the issue and Mm -hmm. acknowledge that the clean eating was actually an eating disorder Mm -hmm. in 2014 of the July of that year, I suffered a traumatic brain injury that landed me in the hospital in the trauma room. And overnight, all of a sudden I couldn't do Mm -hmm. all those behaviors because I couldn't even get up and go to work. And while I would, and then I, I ended up having three more traumatic brain injuries within a two year time period. And while that was very difficult, oh, I know. <laughs> and it, I mean, I, I lived with chronic pain from like six to eight on a daily basis. We're talking migraines and vertigo. Uh, my ability to drive mm-hmm. and just function day to day was greatly reduced. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the eating disorder was not okay because I couldn't do the behaviors. Oh my goodness. And, <laughs> and mentally and emotionally, it just created all this upheaval. Yeah. I had actually started 
I really say I started my recovery journal uh, journey back in 2011 mm. when I started a Bible study that really started looking at the mm. underlying root wounds and issues. And I didn't have the big traumas, you know, that people see, but I'm able to see now that I had a, what they call, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of little T traumas, yeah. things yeah. that aren't so obvious, but they were still very dangerous and detrimental and so I had started working on those. So when after the the traumatic brain injuries, the TBIs, I was able to then really just focus on the behavioral issues because I'd received healing for a lot of the things that had mm-hmm. contributed to and led to it. And it was just really mm-hmm. exciting because mm-hmm. I had found out about intuitive eating, but then jumping, mm-hmm. it felt like jumping off a cliff without a parachute because I was going from a full-blown eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. so I realized that I needed professional help. So I started working with a dietitian who specialized in intuitive eating and recovery. And life before recovery was like living in black and white. So even the best moments of my life before recovery were not as full because of Ed. But life after recovery is like living in color. I have space to think, I, you know, I'm not always thinking about what I'm going to eat or my body and I'm able to live life now where I'm at versus mm-hmm. waiting for the supposed picture of health, which I had gotten closer to, but then when I got closer to it, Ed was still not happy with it and it wasn't enough and it wasn't freedom because I was in bondage to and a slave to everything that, you know, he said that I needed to do. I, I like the picture of, of Ed, you know, like it's, it, Ed doesn't belong to you. Ed is different than you. And so you could be free of Ed and, and it didn't take away from you. It just let you be you. And I, I appreciate that. So tell, tell us about intuitive eating, because so many folks, this is a, a brand new concept. So what does that look like? Okay, so it's a 10 principles. So imagine no more counting calories, feeling deprived, mm-hmm. restricting. But mm-hmm. because a diet is really an external program that is telling your body how you should, should eat. Whereas intuitive eating is about learning how your body is specifically created and learning how to eat according Mm -hmm. to the way you were created. And also depending on what point you are in your life. For example, when I had the TBI, things were different. How I had to eat then, it actually changed uh, the way that my brain communicates with other parts of my body. I developed something called dysautonomia. Or Mm -hmm. women, as we get older, we go through menopause, Mm -hmm. our body changes. So the the basic principles are really learning when you're hungry, learning when you're full, learning what kind of foods you like and actually don't like. And then Mm. being able to like move because you want to feel good, not move and have to do these extreme exercises to earn your calorie, you know, earn your calories, earn your food. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we live in what is called diet culture. So there's the story of these two young little fish and they're swimming along and this older generation fish is going by and it's like, 
hey guys, how's the water? And they swim past and all of a sudden the, the two young fish look at each other and they're like, what's water? <laughs> and diet is the water that we swim in every day. Yes, it's yes. all ruled of like, you have to do this in order to be healthy. You have to look this way to be healthy. Because mm-hmm. I, I learned that in all reality, God created my body that if I'm not going to starve myself, I'm going to actually be at a higher set point than what society says is healthy. Mm. But for me to be at that lower weight, it wasn't healthy. And I, I really believed the diet culture lie that said in order to be healthy, you have to be thin. Mm. And, but that, you know, just having lived out the reality of that in my life, that that wasn't the case. That has really been really freeing. Now, don't get me wrong. It was one of the hardest parts of recovery is to let go of what society says that I have to be. And the exciting thing is that there's actually uh, a lot of research to back up intuitive eating. Like it's Mm -hmm. actually more detrimental to be five pounds underweight than to be Mm -hmm. 75 pounds, 70 pounds overweight because starvation and what it does to our body is so detrimental. Yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate the way you explained, like you, your healthy place isn't little teeny skinny thing. Your healthy place is where you're supposed to be. And, you know, when our teens had the freedom to be who they are, rather than looking at Photoshopped images online and, and Mm -hmm. on their Instagrams. Instead, they can be who God made them to be and know that is beautiful in God's eyes and in their own. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what matters. So uh, societal pressures and Photoshopped images are not what reality is. I really feel called to speak to the church, specifically women in the church, because Mm -hmm. I think what we do is we take diet culture message Mm -hmm. and then we add the belief that God loves us more if we're going to be thinner because being thin is the only way to be healthy. Oh, And that just adds a whole nother layer of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And after recovery, this, I was actually reading scripture. There's a verse specifically that talks about how God created the small animals, like the ant, and he created the elephant. Mm-hmm. So why do I actually believe that God would create all women to be a size zero? <laughs> it just doesn't Very make good. sense. It's just not, it's not within what we see within scripture as well as the world around us. Mm-hmm. And Mm. through the ages, the definition of beauty has changed. And so I do think Mm -hmm. it's important that we take care of our body, that we learn how to do it. But we we look at people and decide just by looking at their body, whether they're healthy or not. Mm. And I know Mm. from my own story, as well as so many women that I've talked to, that you can't tell if someone is truly healthy just by looking at them. Yeah, yeah. So what is health like for you these days? Well, for me, it's being able to enjoy a cup of ice cream and be Mm -hmm. able to eat it slow and enjoy it and decide, oh, you know what? I'm full, so I don't even need to finish the whole cup. That to Mm -hmm. me is just a miracle 
because mm. in, with intuitive eating, all foods are permissible. And so when you're not taking away the restriction, and I know that at any time I can have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I want, <laughs> it takes away that last meal mentality, right? But then when you have the permission, you don't want ice cream at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, ultimately. Yes. Yes. I mean, you may be for a day, but it's not gonna, you're not going to yeah. always want that. And so just being able to enjoy a wide range of foods, mm-hmm. craving. I remember the first time I really craved a, a salad and I texted my dietitian. I'm like, I'm craving a salad. Is that a problem? <laughs> and she's like, no, that's what body is telling you. Um, So just, it's really about listening to my body, Mm -hmm. learning when I need to move, um, learning when I'm hungry, stopping when I'm full. And sometimes it means I'm out at a party. I might not be hungry, but being able to enjoy that piece of cake and not feeling shame and guilt over it. And then having to like punish myself by eating more food. Oh, well, I already messed up. So might as well keep going. (laughs) I don't have that anymore. That's marvelous. What what beautiful freedom. If if so if I was going to ask about your self-concept, like how do you feel about you? Are you are you relaxed with you or you know, are you free from the guilt and perfectionism? Like what is what are things like for you if I'm not being too personal right now? No. The body image aspect of recovery is kind of the last thing that just Ed really wants to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Compared to Who by Heather Creekmore, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And for so many years, I'd heard, oh, well, you're beautiful just the way that you are. God loves us. Um, and those are truths, but they don't change. They didn't change my body image issues, yeah. right? On that level. Uh-huh. It was like, yeah. I, I knew it in my head, but I it didn't get to my heart. Mm-hmm. And the solution to that is actually found, uh, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. He says, it actually doesn't matter what you think about me. But mm-hmm. he goes a step further. Because our society says that in like the body mm-hmm. positive movement. Uh Oh, I'm, you know, valuable. I create my own worth. Mm -hmm. But Paul goes beyond that. And he says, it actually doesn't matter what I think about myself. What matters is what God says about Mm -hmm. me. And so Mm -hmm. that was really freeing because now when that Ed wants to try to worm his way back in and say, well, look at you compared to her or whatever, I can say, you know, you know what? I'm one, I'm unique. Mm -hmm. So how would it be fair for me to create, to compare? And then two, it doesn't matter what they think about me. And actually, ultimately what I think about myself doesn't matter in this moment. And then I can go to what I've heard all my life, which is like, I'm a child of God. I am all those things. But before it was like, I didn't know how to, I I kept hearing in my head, telling myself that I wasn't valuable. But when I learned from scripture that it doesn't actually matter what I think, Mm. that was life changing Mm. for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Timothy Keller has a book called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And it's a really, really short book. But Mm. anytime that I start hearing the lies of the enemy in regards to that, I read that little book. And that that really just reminds me of the truth. Mm. And helps me to remember that my identity and security, even if I gain 20 pounds, it doesn't change at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I lose 20 pounds, it 
it doesn't change at all. So what, what does God, what does God think about you? Recovery was spending a lot of time in prayer. And Mm -hmm. as, as I, I got help because one recovery meant admitting that I can't get myself out from underneath there. So it was like, Mm -hmm. um, the, the people that came alongside me were helping chipping away at that rock that, you know, was crushing me. Mm-hmm. And when I started seeing mm-hmm. um, light come through and oxygen, when I opened my eyes mm-hmm. and could see the first thing I saw was Jesus staring there. I'm here. I'm here. And when he showed me yeah. that one time in my time with him, that was experiential. Mm-hmm. Mm. I could feel his love for me. Mm. I know that that's the reason why I never gave mm. up. I mean, there are more times than I could ever count that I just mm-hmm. wanted him to take me because it just didn't feel like living. And to know that he was there through it all mm. and he was willing to be crushed mm. with me and for me to save me, telling mm. myself the gospel, seeing Jesus up on the cross. Yeah. And thinking that he was thinking, I don't want to do this, but I love Cassandra so much that I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do this because having her with me in heaven is the most important thing. It's the joy that's set before me. And that love, that changed me on an experiential level, not just on a head knowledge that, yes, Jesus died on the cross for me, but it was for me. It was personal can't even say anything to top that like praise god yeah so one of the things that i know about you cassandra is you didn't say okay now i'm free i'm just gonna go do my thing and instead you have worked you have a, a, a you got a health coaching certification and a website where you talk about all these things to help other people so tell us a little bit about that In college, it was my dream to help other women who were struggling with food issues. Of course, I was trapped under Ed and the gang and didn't know how to do it, but that was my passion, what I wanted to do. And after college, I spent 14 years working for pregnancy centers in the pro-life movement, and I loved that. But I was really excited when the Lord called me to go back to school to get certified as a health coach and I actually health and life coach and I just finished my certification as a mental health coach too now to be able to work one-on-one with women because that was so pivotal for me in the moment when I was struggling Mm -hmm. feeling pulled by the behaviors Mm -hmm. to have someone to reach out to to coach me through in the moment and that just really Mm -hmm. changed me Mm -hmm. the behaviors the habits I had more ability to make steps. And then I also felt the Lord say, I want you to go out and I want you to tell the church, the women in the church, that freedom is possible. Because I think a lot of women in the church, they know Jesus, like I knew Jesus, but I didn't know what freedom living was. And mm-hmm. I feel called to, to help women live free in Christ. And so I'm just thrilled. And I never, I always told myself that I would never give up fighting for this to be here, but to be here to me, I don't know that I ever really thought I'd actually be here. So I, I just feel like I'm living in a oh. miracle. Um, and so if it's possible oh. for me. I believe it's possible for other women 
And yeah, so you can check me out at CassandraBaker.com. And I spell Cassandra with a K. And my email address is info at CassandraBaker.com. And we will put links to those in the show notes. And, you know, just the opportunity when I got to meet you in person is just this gracious young woman who is walking in God's freedom. It, it just feels like a lightness about you. And it, it really stayed with me. You know, there's a whole conference full of women and there were several that just stayed with me in my mind and you were one of those. So thank you, Cassandra, for being with us today. So listen, moms, if, if you have any questions about health and intuitive eating and body image and diet culture and got questions, getting in touch with Cassandra. This is, this is her, this is what God has assigned for her to do right now. And this is important. And not only that, but you know, if your teens need to work on this, then not only do they get to work on it with someone who can, can get some help, but also they can add this to their health credit for their homeschool transcripts. So it's real life health. So, you know, cause I mean, this is like, when we're homeschooling, all of life is education and healthy relationship with food is part of your health credit. So it's a, it's a win in many ways. So, all right. So we'll have all the links in the show notes and Cassandra, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me. And is there anything else you want to leave with the moms? Are we good? There is actually, mm -hmm. I just really want to leave uh, everyone with this stat. So there was this large study of 14 and 15 year old teens. Mm -hmm. And the most important predictor of an eating disorder was dieting. Mm -hmm. And those teens who moderately dieted were five times more likely to develop an eating disorder. And those with extreme dieting and restriction were 18 times more. And so I just really want to encourage moms, if you're dieting and maybe your, your teen is dieting with you mm. to, to consider this stat mm. because it does put dieting does put teens at an increased risk for eating yeah. disorders. And so check out intuitive eating as it's just another alternative that doesn't, isn't connected with the eating disorders. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah, so much here and so much to learn. And Cassandra is a great resource for that. So I will send you guys all in her direction. Okay, well, this has been the Homeschool High School Podcast brought to you by SevenSistersHomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. We will see you next week. Mm -hmm.